It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply Okay, parachutes ready. Boy, the things I go through to get auto loan rates as low as 1.04% APR for 36 months on new vehicles with PentBed. You are aware that you don't have to be a military member to save hundreds on your auto loan, aren't you? Anyone can join PentBed. As someone terrified of heights, I probably should have looked into that. Probably. Drop me off at the shore. PenFed Credit Union. Visit PenFed.org slash autos or call 1-800-247-5626. Advertised rates available through the PenFed car buying service. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard.com Pop Shop Podcast. My name is Keith Caulfield, and I am the co-director of charts at Billboard. Joining me, as always, is the wonderful and fabulous Billboard.com senior editor, Katie Atkinson. What an intro. You, too, are wonderful and fabulous. So is you, too. (laughs) So is you, too. So is Bono and The Edge and Larry (laughs) and Adam. They're so great. Well, anyway, um, the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast is your one-stop shop for all things pop on Billboard's weekly charts. In addition, you can always count on a lively discussion about the week's big pop news where the streets have no name, fun chart stats and stories, and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop. And boy, do we have some guest interviews today. Oh my dear. This week's show is a special edition of the podcast dedicated to two legendary artists who also happen to be friends and collaborators, Stevie Nicks and Sheryl Crow. I spoke to the awesome diva that is Stevie Nicks about a month ago when she announced her new tour, uh, and we talked about figuring out the set list for the show and, you know, how she's going to have surprises hopefully in store for fans, Uh, how she put together her 24-karat gold album, which came out, like, almost two years ago, but now she's touring in support of it, and even the possibility of a new Fleetwood Mac album. Yeah. I caught up with Cheryl Crow to chat about how she's raising money for cancer research during October's Breast Cancer Awareness Month, how her life has changed since her own diagnosis 10 years ago, what she has planned for the two new albums two. that she's working on, Grief. including one that includes Miss Nix, oh, actually, hey. Hey. and her thoughts on the chaotic 2016 presidential election. It's chaotic, her word. Um, she <laughs> not, It was not her word. That's my own word, but it's her reading of it as mm. well. Well, before we get started, if you enjoy the podcast, subscribe to the show on iTunes so you won't miss an episode, and give us a rating or review while you're at it. If you have any questions for us, feel free to tweet us at Keith underscore Caulfield or KT Atkinson. And if you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, visit iTunes.com slash Billboard Podcasts. All right, so let's just get right into it. Um, Why mess around? Let's let's why muck around. <laughs> um, I spoke to Stevie Nicks uh, a little while back, 
And in our conversation, we talked about her upcoming tour, which starts on October 25th, uh, in support of her 24 karat gold album. Um, and she also talked about the making of that album and how it's it's basically an archival project where she took old demos that had been floating around of hers and then did whole new recordings of them. Um, and it's actually a really good album, and it's hard to believe that she held back all these songs for so many years. And also, it's you kind of get a, a little bit of a peek into... Um, kind of the inner workings of putting together an album where she was surprised that she could do the album so quickly. And she also kind of dropped how she was like, I owed one more album to Warner Brothers. Mm. She's like, so I need to get an album done. So here's an album. So here's an album. And she <laughs> never thought that she could get it done like this. And her and Dave Stewart, of course, Dave Stewart of the, of the Arrhythmics, got together and made the album happen like that. So anyway, we talk about the tour, and we and we talk about how she's trying to figure out a set list for the tour, which I'm sure she's probably nailed down by now, considering the tour is about to start. But we also talk about if she ever gets tired of singing some of the same songs in her shows, like her eternal hits, you know, Stand Back and Edge of Seventeen. Um, and she talks about how she's brokenhearted that she never got to perform Stand Back with Prince on stage, since the song was inspired by his own little red Corvette. Um, all of that... And well, wait, there's more. But but wait, um, I had to ask about the status of if there was a new Fleetwood Mac album coming from the classic Rumors era lineup of the band. Now that all five of them are back together, um, you'll hear her response uh, <laughs> in in the interview. Stay tuned. So stay tuned for that. So, anyways, dig in and listen to our sizable chat with the one and only Stevie Nicks. You know, I was so pleased when you announced that you're going on tour to support the 24 Karat Gold album. Um, I was I was so surprised when I saw the news yesterday, like in the in the best way possible, because the album is so good, um, and I'm happy that you're going to go out on the road and play these songs live for the first time. Um, you know, the album came out almost two years ago, um, right as the Big Fleetwood Mac tour was kicking off. Had you intended on doing, like, a solo tour to promote this album, like, sooner than now? I'm I'm assuming yes, but then Fleetwood Mac kind of got in the way. <laughs> this is what happened. I had We had, like, five or six months off between when Christine decided to come back and when we actually finished our tour with the four of us. And then she made the phone call in December when we still had, like, two gigs to go and said she wanted to come back, and we were done. And we, you know, said, well, we're done, but... If that's what you want to do, Chris, you've been gone for 16 years, but if you want to do it, then we're there for you. So yeah. that's what happened. And we had, then she had to kind of, you know, go home and close up her house and everything and, and kind of basically, you know, relocate. And then we had to start, you know, changing, you know, her, six of her songs had to come in and six other ones had to go out. So it was a process. And, um, and we had just come off a big tour, so we all needed like, you know, a few weeks to take off. So what happened was, but it wasn't really long enough to like go anywhere and do anything. So um, I I owed Warner Brothers one more record, and I decided that I had been trying to you know to like you know like pay my debts to Warner's and get my record turned in. So I thought, well, I've got like just under three months. So my friend Dave Stewart said, aha. This is how you do a. Re I said, "How do you do a record that fast?" Because we, as we know, within your dreams, we took a year and we didn't even want it to be over then. Yeah. And he said, 
let let's go to he just tipped his hat at me and said, Nashville. <laughs> I said, Okay. He said, I said, How long will it take me? He said, Three weeks. <laughs> I said, Are you serious? And he said, I'm very serious, darling. And I said, Okay, all right. So we just planned it in no time, you know, and we just jammed to Nashville and between Wadi and, and Dave they got all the the coolest of the Nashville cats and we just went in and and I went in with my original demos. And this was the greatest thing of all because both Wadi and Dave said, This is what's gonna happen. These people are not gonna change your songs like we would. They're not gonna say, Maybe you should change the chorus a little bit or maybe you should like not do that verse or maybe you could should make the song shorter or they're just gonna go like, Okay, they're gonna track it. I mean they're gonna chart it and write it up in musical music notes and then they're gonna play it. And I'm like, seriously? <laughs> really? <laughs> and they're like, really? Because this is what they do. They start at 2, they finish at 6, they have dinner for half an hour, they start at 7, they finish at between 10 and 11, and they're out of there. So don't be late. Yeah, don't like, be late. <laughs> oh, 2 o'clock. That means I have to get up at, like, in order to be finished with my vocal lesson, by the time I start singing at 5 minutes after 2, I have to, like, get up at 8. So I said, well... How long is this going to take? And they said, like, two and a half weeks. So I said, okay, I can probably get up at eight for two and a half weeks. So I, that's what we did. And I'll tell you, they are exactly my demos, except played by people that are used to playing. And some of my demos were me, who yeah. can't play for, for shit, basically. So um, they literally, you know, did exactly what I wanted. Nobody ever one time questioned me about anything in any of those songs. So it was quite an experience. We were only there like just barely three weeks. We came home and we went to my house where we recorded In Your Dreams and we did the background vocals and we did the overdubs and, um, you know, of the people that were in L.A., David Johnstone and Michael Campbell and those people. Um, and and we finished it in, like, two months, the whole record. And then it was – this is kind of what I did. It was, like, metaphorically. I bought a gold box. I put the record in the box. I put tissue around it. I wrapped it. I put a red bow on it. I got in the car, we drove past Warner Brothers, and I ran in, put it on the front desk and said, please give this to the president of Warner Brothers, and I ran back out, got in the car, and went straight to Culver City to be at rehearsal with Fleetwood Mac at 2 o'clock. Yeah. That was wow. it. And then, needless to say, me doing a record wasn't exactly the most favorite topic of conversation at the Fleetwood Mac rehearsal. Yeah. <laughs> that Christine had just come back in, you know, changed her life, moved to L.A. Um, so that was it. And I can honestly say I never even listened to 24 Karat Gold again until, really, until we got home from, this, from the tour in, you know, like in January. Wow. Because it's, it's like you, why would like I? You, just, you know what I mean? Yeah, it you, was like, why would I go and, like, put myself through, make myself feel bad? by listening to my really beautiful, fun record of all my great old glory songs that were the sex, rock, and roll, and 
Drug songs that you know that that just almost made every single big record, but for whatever my reasons were, I pulled them. These weren't records yeah. that were these weren't songs that were kicked off the record by anybody. These were songs that I pulled off records. Wow. And uh, so why would I want to sit around and make myself miserable? So I never listened to it once until we got home from from the Fleetwood Mac tour. And then wow. I said to my manager, "Well, I'm gonna." I'm, I'm going to think about this very carefully, and and the fact was is that this is a story I just already told somebody else. But my little life partner puppy dog, who was almost 18 years old, was seriously dying, and she died like over from between December and July 5th. And so I spent the first. I didn't go anywhere. I didn't take any vacations. I didn't really do anything except be with her and and kind of deal with that whole situation. Um, and But all through that, I was thinking, you know, if I don't do this now, we'll miss the window that will make it possible that when we if we go out for 24 karat gold, right now we're actually going out with some product. Not that I am going out to necessarily sell records, because I don't believe that people really buy records at least uh, people that are over 50. So that's not right. why I'm going out. I'm going out to to promote this record just because I want people to hear what's on it. And I yeah. figure the only way I can let them hear what's on it is to actually go out and play some of the stuff that is on it. So I, I said to my manager, if you know, when he said to me, are you sure you want to go out this, this year? Do you, you know, after what happened to your puppy and stuff, do you want to maybe just, like, stay home this year? And I said, no, I don't, because I don't want to miss the window. If I if I don't go out until next year, we won't go out until, you know, the spring. And then by the time we get out there, it'll be the summer. And then by the time I get home, um, it'll be too late for – it'll be too late to do the 24-karat gold tour. And it'll just end up right. being Stevie going out to do another Stevie Nicks tour that has all the exact same songs that every other Stevie Nicks tour for the last 20 years has had. And that's yeah. not what I want to do. You know, I would assume that most of the set list for the show is going to be songs from 24 Karat Gold, or at least a good chunk of them. Is that is that the intention with the tour, like a lot of songs from that album, plus some kind of old hits as well? Um, well... This will make you laugh, but it's the truth. Uh, when I sat down a couple weeks ago to start figuring out what would be in here, I had decided that I also wanted to do just like a, you know, like maybe do like Wild Heart, maybe do Belladonna, maybe do Trouble and Changer Law. So I wanted to do like some actual uh, title songs. I mean, mm. I thought, you know, this is this is laying open a whole new world for me. Yeah. And so I, that's kind of so what I did was. My list of stuff, because, mind you, the pretenders are opening for me, and they get to have their time, so I don't get three hours like I did with Fleetwood Mac. Yeah. So uh, my list is, like, about at 30 songs right now. <laughs> <laughs> and Wadi. Just, just, just 30. Just 30, you just know. Just 30. And so Wadi, he, he, said, he, he said to me, um, just call me when it's over. Because <laughs> Actually, like, Stevie, have you cut any songs out yet? And I said, well, maybe two, and mm -hmm. and so I'm working on it. So what I've done is I've sent out all 30 songs to everybody in the band saying, like, we're not going to do all of these 30, 
but I'm but we have to like try some of these because sometimes you know, you don't know you know you might say here's a song that you think is going to be the best ever and it's yeah. not and then there's yeah. the song that you think is going to be totally terrible and it's great yeah so I said we you don't have to learn them for real but just be aware so that we yeah. can spend you know a few days just like playing a little bit bits and pieces of everything so yes is it going to be song from 24 karat gold absolutely but it's also going to be some things from some some of the other records also because i want to make this i'll never get a chance to do this again yeah until i actually do like the full-on acoustic set that will actually be three hours where i can actually start with belladonna and go all the way up through whatever we do you know in the next until i get to that tour um so this this tour I want it to have its acoustic parts. I want it to have its little little explosions of fun from all different parts. I want it to have the 24 karat gold demos. I want it to there's like two songs off of uh, two or three songs off of In Your Dreams I'd like to do because I want to do the New Orleans song. Um, it's like you know I want to do Soldier's Angel because that's important to me right now. Just once again with the whole political thing that's going on, I think Soldier's Angel is an important song to do. And um, so it's like, it's going to be a lot of cool stuff. And yeah. and and I'll have about two hours and 15 minutes. So, um, I, you know, I may maybe, you know, cut a couple of songs down a little bit. Maybe I won't do all six verses, you know. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, so that I can get, and I'm like the, the master sequencer. So I'm going to, I will sequence all this, you know, and it's like, I said, somebody said to me, so like, what are you going to do, like a medley? And I'm going like, no, not a medley, but it's going to be, it's going to be some bits and pieces. Maybe I, if I do Belladonna, maybe I'll only do like half of Belladonna and I'll go into, you know, I want to do Wild Heart. And that yeah. has never been done on stage ever because that is a hard song to do. So I'll give it a try and if I can pull it off, I'll do it. that I'm that are a little out of my ballpark on for this tour because I only have two hours and fifteen minutes. But right. I'm gonna try to really make this a like amazing walk down memory lane for everybody who has been a fan since Belladonna. So they're getting they're getting twenty four karat gold. They're getting the the demos that they've all got already anyway because at some point a suitcase of demos was sold. And uh, yeah. out went all the demos to all these songs. Oh so yeah, I know. Like, I, 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 I I I've listened to a bunch of them on YouTube like you know years ago, and I'm like, what the? Where do these things come from? And I'm like, well, uh, funny how it works. That that's exactly where it came from. They all got they all got souls. I mean, they just got lost. They got you know, and and in those days, we were so free with our music. It was like, sure, I just wrote a new song, and some of your friends like can I have a tape of it? And you're going, sure, I'll make you a cassette right now. And then, of course, that cassette goes to their house, and then somebody else, you know, says, gee, that's so great. Can I have a cassette of that? And they're like, sure. And and nobody ever was, like, you know, selfish with music one bit. But in the long run, unfortunately, it did release just about everything I'd ever done. Wow. Or everything, probably, I've ever done is out 
in the cosmos somewhere. But the thing is, is that it's not, they haven't seen it done. They haven't seen it played in concert. So Absolutely. that's what I'm hoping is that this can be like the suitcase of demos that they didn't ever see performed. And, um, and that this will be really fun for people because, because they are familiar with these songs. You know, they're familiar with all the songs on 24 Karat Gold. They're familiar with, with ever, almost every demo I ever made. So this is bringing them to life. And that's what I wanted to do, you know. And, and I'm hoping that this will be as much fun for the audience as it's going to be for me because I'm so tired of doing the same thing over and over and over again. I'm not that kind of person, really. I was going to ask you, you know, you've done, like, Edge of Seventeen and Stand Back, like, more than 400 times a piece. Like, are there songs where you're just like, huh, I wish I didn't have to do that song again? I mean, they're huge hits, and they're they're your babies, but do you sometimes wish that, like, hmm, maybe I don't have to do that song tonight. Maybe I can do something different. Well, the thing with those two songs is that those songs, A, because I have two careers, the great thing is, is that... I got three week, three years off from yeah. doing Edge of Seventeen or Sandback because Fleetwood Mac actually used to do Sandback and yeah, took yeah. it out time. So I haven't done Edge of Seventeen or Sandback in closing in on four years. So, so it'll be all I'm new probably, again in a way. Yeah. I'm, it, it, it is because then what happens is the story, the fact that Sandback is you know was written uh, written to Little Red Corvette and now yeah. that we lost Prince. And I'm brokenhearted that I never was able to have Prince walk up on stage and play guitar and keyboards on standback, not even one time. Had I ever in a million years thought that we would lose him, I would have made sure that that would have happened. And it didn't. So that's just one of those things in your life where you say, I really missed out because yeah. he should have. That should have happened. But so whenever I play standback from this day forward, Prince will be standing next to me. So oh. it's never, that is always going to be a joy, you know. Yeah. And Edge of Seventeen, you know, was written about John Lennon and, and Tom Petty and my uncle. And it's like, you know, there's all those songs, you know, that I love. If they actually were in almost all the sets, then you know I really like those songs. I yeah. didn't do them because I had to do them. Because I could always put something else that I that I had to do in instead. Right. I didn't always have to do the, the same songs. So well, the you're, you're, in the, you're, you're in the enviable position of having a lot of hit records. So, you know, you you have a lot to pick from. <laughs> well, and that's, yeah, that makes it very, very lucky for me. And yeah. so um, I'm just, you know, I'm, I think this is going to be great. And I think that all the fans are going to have a ball. And I hope that they totally just dress up, as Wendy Williams would say, dress to the nines. And uh, and come to party and sing, you know, and that's that's really my little my little joyous like last speech of why I want why I wanted this tour to happen in the first place. Well, um, I, I have the feeling that I should probably be letting you go. I want to ask you one last question before I, I do let you go. Um, you know, the, the Fleetwood Mac tour that you guys did that went on for 120 shows and more than a year, and I saw it at the forum, and I was so thrilled that I could finally see Christine with the rest of you because I'm really hoping that 
there's hope that there might be a studio record from the five of you. Is there anything you can say about that possibility in the future? You know what? I, I never know what's going to happen. It's like I didn't know that we were going to – I didn't in my wildest dreams ever know that I was going to do the 24 Karat Gold record, and I certainly didn't ever after 16 years think that Christine McBee was going to call up and say – how would you feel if I came back to the band? You know, it's like, are are you serious or is this a joke? And um, so it's like, you know, I, I learned a long time ago to never say never. Right now, because of the fact that that we know that people don't buy records, like I have already said, you know, unfortunately people over 50 or even over 30 for that matter it's like hard to sell records and so then you think well why do you do records well the reason you do records is because it's like we're kids again and we can do anything we want we have enough money we're not we're we're we don't really have to work if we don't want to so we can do records for the reason that we actually did them in the very beginning was because just because it's fun yeah so is it possible that food and math might do another record i can never tell you yes or no because i don't know i honestly don't know um, I've just come away from Fleetwood Mac. I've been with them for like th more than three solid years, and I don't know what they're going to want to do. I don't know what I'm going to want to do. I, I have to get through this tour and see how next year goes. I know that Fleetwood Mac will tour in the next two years um, because we always do, so I'm pretty sure we will. And yeah. so, I, you know, I can't really – it's like do you want to take the chance of going in and do it, shutting us up in a, you know, in a room for – a month or not a month but like a year and having a bunch of you know arguing people and then not wanting to go on tour because you just spent a year arguing or do you just go on tour because you know that you have fun up there and you love doing shows and Christine's only been back for a year and a half so it's like you know you start to weigh your your why why would you do this why would you do that and I honestly don't know and but okay. I never say never it's like you know, I can say I'm never going to have children because I'm 68. Um, <laughs> and, but, you know, there you go. Uh, but I can never – that's about the only thing I can – I'm never going to, you know, I'm never probably going to go on a sailboat around the world um, with uh, being part of the crew. You know, it's like I'm never going to go on a bus again on a, on a tour. Well, you know, maybe. Who knows? If I could be talked into it, it was a fun enough group of people – Never going on a bus again. No, yeah. my sister's going. You're never going on a bus again. Um, so the thing is, is that you know, like that really is in God's hands. Yeah. Well, I think that's a good place to leave it. You know, I'm I'm stoked that you're going on the road, and it's going to be such a fun show, and it's going to be so special for fans that are going to see songs that they've never seen before, that they've probably loved for years secretly, and then you finally gave them to us in a proper fashion. And I know that I'll probably be at the show in December at the Forum. So thank you so much for taking the time, Stevie, and I hope I didn't keep you too long because I know you have another interview at 5, and we're five minutes late oh, already yeah. for that one. You're, you're <laughs> so Welcome, and, and you know what? You might want to come to, like, two shows because you never know. There might be an alternative list. Ooh. All right. Well, thank you so much, and take care, okay? Okay, you too. Thanks so much. Thank you again, Stevie, for taking the time to uh, ring me up on the phone there. 
she called me from the side of a road on like in, on her phone. Incredible. Uh, you didn't hear at the beginning of the at the at the beginning of the conversation, but at the, at the beginning I said, "So hey, are you calling from your house?" She's like, "No, I'm on the side of the road. I wasn't going to make it to my next interview fast, so I just thought I'd call you from here." It's like, "Okay, <laughs> we're going to make that work." And uh, anyway, she's just nothing but lovely. So it was an honor to speak to her. And uh, I think now it's time for our second interview, Katie. Uh, yes, uh, with Cheryl Crow. Cheryl Crow. I mean, because how do you follow up Stevie Nicks? Cheryl Crow. You know, I've seen them in concert together. Yeah, I mean, they have a long history together, yeah. actually. Um, and the reason that Cheryl and I got on the phone is because October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and Cheryl has always been a vocal advocate for the fight against cancer. And this year, she teamed up with eBay for Charity for an auction of more than 100 of her own clothing items. There's lots of sequins in there. And uh, that that auction benefited Stand Up to Cancer. And in our interview, she suggests some ways fans can join her in raising money for the cause and talks about the many ways her life and her music have changed since she was diagnosed with breast cancer a decade ago. We also talked a lot about new music, and she has a lot of new music on the way. She has two different albums in the works, one with her longtime collaborator Jeff Trott, who's behind some of her biggest hits, including If It Makes You Happy, My Favorite Mistake, and Soak Up the Sun. And she has another album that's full of all-star collaborations. You definitely want to stick around to hear the full list of legends that she has lined up for this album, including one Stevie Nicks. Oh, hey, look at that. And she also talked about working with Stevie again and how they became friends years ago. So here is our lovely chat with Cheryl Crow. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. We really appreciate it. My pleasure. Um, and the reason for our chat today is that Breast Cancer Awareness Month is about to kick off, and you've teamed up with eBay to auction off more than 100 items from your own closet to raise money for Stand Up to Cancer. You know, you've been a huge advocate for breast cancer awareness even before your own diagnosis 10 years ago. Um, in addition to the, the eBay auction, what are other ways that you encourage your fans to, to get involved with the fight against cancer? Well, the first thing I do is I encourage women over the age of 40 to make sure and be diligent about getting their mammograms. So, um, you know, for women over 40, I can't stress enough to just go in. It doesn't matter what your family history is. Only 10% of women with a family history wind up um, with, with a diagnosis, whereas 90% of diagnoses are not related to family history. Um, that's, that's the first thing that's at the top of my list. And then secondly, there are just a multitude of charities that work on behalf of research as well as, uh, awareness. And I try to align myself with organizations that do research, research mainly because the dollars are tight now and the government doesn't fund as generously as they used to. So, um, every little bit helps. And this is kind of a weighty question for a Friday afternoon, but what are the big ways that, that your life has changed since you yourself were diagnosed? Wow. Well, I could safely say in every way, um, mainly because I, 10 years ago I would have been the last person I would have imagined would have had a life-threatening illness be diagnosed. And it really stopped me in my tracks, and I really reevaluated and redefined my life in so many ways. Um, and it's informed everything about my life. It's informed my decisions. It's informed my choices, my art, um, and the way I live. You know, I don't take anything for granted. I, I, I feel like I am much more aware of not sweating the small stuff. I have two small children. My decision-making is so much easier than it would have been before. Um, I don't try to take care of the world like I used to. Um, 
you know, I've really learned how to say no and to put myself first. And that was really my big lesson uh, with my diagnosis. And you said that it impacted your art. How do you think it kind of changed you as a songwriter and as a musician? Well, you know, so much before my diagnosis, um, I put so much weight on my productivity and my self-worth was really tied into that. I, I, it's just the way I've always been. I've always been someone who's been driven to work and to be productive and I basically relegate my creativity to um, times when I feel like it would just be fun to write a song. I, I'm much more... I feel much more liberated about it. I don't have the weight attached to my music that I used to. Um, I really enjoy it. I think I've made the best record I've ever made, actually, here in the last three weeks. And I'm excited about that. Um, if a million people hear it, that would be amazing. If 500 people hear it, that would be amazing. You know, I just, I'm proud of what I've done, and I don't attach, um, you know, my self-worth to it like I would have before. And you recently shared some behind-the-scenes videos from the studio, and you mentioned that you're working on two different albums right now. What can you tell us about that so far? Yeah, I don't know when either one of them is going to come out. I don't know which one will come out first. I imagine probably the collaborative one will. But I made a point on this record that I started a year ago of just calling friends that I've known forever, people I've loved and admired and who have been an inspiration to me since I was young, and asked them if they would collaborate with me on this record. And I, I co-wrote a song with Joe Walsh. I sang with Stevie Nicks. Um, I recorded one of my favorite Keith Richards songs with Keith, Keith Richards. I recorded with Neil Young. Um, I even recorded a song with Johnny Cash that he had recorded of mine before he passed away. Um, recorded a song I wrote for Willie Nelson. Recorded it with him. And So there are just many things on this record that I... I'm excited about the, and the whole record started with my recording with Chris Christopherson, who is someone I love and admire. Um, it's just been a real project of love. And the other record, I got together with my old writing buddy, um, Jeff Trott, and we made a record over the course of three or four weeks, and it's just totally kick-ass. I'm really proud of it. That is quite the list of collaborators that you just listed off. Um, I mean... I know. <laughs> I know. Could you have ever imagined, you know, early in your career getting to work with, like, all these incredible names? No. In fact, you know, I still, when I reel off those names, I can't believe those people even know who I am. You know, I'm such a small-town girl from Missouri still. But um, what, a, what a treat, you know? What a treat. And, you know, you have a long history with Stevie. You've toured with her before, performed with her, um, are friends with her. Um, you know, how did that friendship start, and, and what is it like to work with one of your idols like that? So I met Stevie, oh, my gosh, this has been years and years and years ago, um, after Grammy's party. In fact, I have a picture of me and Stevie and Carly Simon and Anita Pointer from the Pointer Sisters and Bonnie Raitt. And... Um, I still have it up in my studio. It's such a monumental moment in my life and my career. And we became friends. She asked me to produce um, some tracks on one of her records after we worked together on um, Boys on the Side, I think it was. And uh, we've just been very good friends ever since. She was one of the first people who called me after I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And um, I, she's just one of my favorite people on the planet. I love her and adore her. And you mentioned uh, getting back in the studio with Jeff Trott, who co-wrote some of your biggest hits. What's it like to to reunite with him and work with him again? Well, yesterday we were laughing. We were celebrating 20 years to the day that, if it makes you happy, comes out. 
or came out. And, um, you know, Jeff, Jeff is like my, and I know his wife would not mind my saying this, he's like my musical husband. You know, he just, it's like he answers all my uh, sentences, like an old married couple. He, he plays the things that I want to hear. Uh, we have a great collaborative relationship. Um, it's very free-flowing, and uh, we just have really enjoyed working together. We we got together this time. Uh, Jeff just moved here. He was three minutes from my house. And he and his family, and we just we couldn't write fast enough, so um, we're back on a roll. And you mentioned that you live in Nashville now, so your last album, um, Feels Like Home, was recorded there. What's it like to record in, in Nashville versus Los Angeles? Well, it's great. You know, I, um, I, I didn't miss one night. Um, of dinner or putting my kids to bed, and yet I met a record. Right. It's fantastic to be able to walk up from the barn at 5.30 and eat with my kids and do their homework with them, put them to bed, and have a normal life, and yet they'll be recording. And that's, for me, a huge change in my life, to be able to not have the pressure and to not feel like I'm missing out on life. Uh, it's, it's been a really fun process Um the country record was fun, and these last two records have been really, really rewarding. Have you kind of continued in that country vibe, or are you going in a different direction on these, uh, the two new albums? Um, well, you know, I, I've always felt like my music had a lot of country inspiration. Um, these two records are um, very, very early Cheryl Crow. And so people who are diehard fans, I think, will will be excited that it's it's really a return to, like, the second and third record. And, um, you know, you are not always working on a specific album. Do you find yourself still um, writing when you're not working on an album, or do you try to kind of contain it to when you're in the album process? It depends. You know, I go through fits and starts. Um, I haven't been as apt to write in the last couple of years because, um, you know, I've just really been kind of kid-centric. I've really enjoyed going out and playing, um, doing gigs here and there, not being on the road, and just being home, you know, taking my kids on Boy Scout camping trips and things. And um, and I have not, I haven't been in that mindset. But the last six months have been really fruitful for me as a writer. And I think I'll, I think I'll probably stay on that bend for a while. Um, I was actually at your concert last year at the Hollywood Bowl when the power went out, <laughs> which was crazy. <laughs> oh, wow, yes. Um, it was such a, so weird. Uh, yeah, it was so it was it was very insane. But it was such a great show, and the addition of the Bull Orchestra really, you know, brought something very cool into your music. What was that like um, working with them? Oh man, I mean that's that's a dream come true to hear your music orchestrated. And I grew up looking listening to the Boston Pops, um, you know, watching them on TV, and to get the opportunity to play in front of an orchestra and one that's as fine as LA. And LA, the LA Symphony is is particularly fun to play with because a lot of those people do like the movie string dates and they do TV and they're, they're, it's not like being in front of a, um, a real uptight orchestra. These people are, you know, they're the best of the best, but they just really enjoy, they don't mind playing pop music too. Um, and, you know, part of your um, advocacy has also been, you know, just kind of being somebody who comments on the the political realm. And it has been a really insane presidential election right now. And I'm wondering if you just, like, can share your thoughts on just observing, you know, this, this presidential election. 
Um, well, the one thing I would say is that I feel like our nation um, deserves better than what we've been dragged through the last two years. And it's my mission, as soon as this election is done, um, to have a petition up. I'm going to try to have a petition up as many places as I can for people to sign to limit the campaign season. You know, other com- countries limit their campaigns to three months or six weeks. Um, and I think it's, I think we've been hijacked by the ugliness of this election. Um, so that's, that is where I'm at. I'm going to vote. I'm going to vote for Hillary. Um, and then I'm going to move on um, with this mission of trying to uh, stand up for um, limiting the amount of time that we get dragged through this mudslinging. I really appreciate you talking to me today, and I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. I appreciate I appreciate your covering it. Absolutely. Thank you, Cheryl. Thank you so much to Cheryl Crow for getting on the phone with us. Um, I kind of can't believe that we just rolled out back-to-back interviews with Stevie Nicks and Cheryl Crow right there. Yeah, it's a, it's a jam-packed, <laughs> diva-filled, leading ladies of music kind of show. Totally. Um, well, what song should we go out on? Should we go out on something that maybe that like Cheryl and Stevie have worked on together? You know, I actually um, found this amazing uh, video when I was doing my research for the Cheryl interview. There's a uh, video of Cheryl Crow, Stevie Nicks, and Natalie Maines from Dixie Chicks all singing together a song called Come On, Come On back in like 2002, early 2000s. Um, so we should definitely go out on that amazing collaboration. Well, we will do that, and we'll uh, <laughs> we'll see you guys next week. <laughs> Bye. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic. When I can, I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.